I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Oh. Wait a moment. I've never gotten that. An air record. Oh, what? Wait a moment. Okay, hold on. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ alive and well and going after Matt Green here on the program. Matt, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, is here. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is uh, it is good to be back with you uh, here, you know, maybe a day later than we like to be normally, but uh, I know you got to see, I know you're already over, all fans, I'm sure, are over the, the Georgia Bulldog, Philadelphia Eagles obsession, you know, I'm sure everybody's over that, but after DeAndre Swift with 175 yards and a touchdown on Thursday night, oh man, you're only going to hear more of it. Jan Carter looked good. Yeah, man, Jalen Carter's unblockable. Like, that guy is an absolute monster. Jordan Davis had a sack in this one, too. Uh, unfortunately, Kobe Dean, I think, is out like four or five weeks or so. But, but yeah, man, Jalen Carter, like, this is, what, this is what I tried to tell everybody. Like, we're freaking out over, obviously, off-the-field stuff. But this man, basically the best player in the draft. So, Eagles, uh, Eagles got a good one. And also, um, anyone... Leave aside the fandom for the stats and stuff. Like, I just hope whatever's going on, he gets help and uh, everything's okay on that front. Uh, I don't like seeing any of like the folks clowning uh, what's going on with Stetson because um, we don't know, but clearly not good, uh, whatever it is. So, hope everything uh, gets better there sooner rather than later for Stetson, but um, we shall see. So, folks, just be a good fan. There's, there's limits, there's nothing wrong with trash talking, but. Uh, when it comes to stuff like that with Stetson, I don't, I don't really, uh, don't really like it, uh, to be honest, Matt Green. Um, well said. Well, college football week three is here. Our final little appetizer plate here before week four, um, and the madness 
uh, overcome the sport where it's just big game after big game after big game. And then we're just, we're in the thick of things week in, week out. That doesn't mean this slate's not a good one. It's still a pretty solid one, but not exactly loaded with uh, big games um, like next week will be. Um, and a lot of folks are going to be looking forward to over the next couple weeks, really. But still a lot of big ones highlighted, of course, by Tennessee, Florida, uh, Saturday night in the swamp. But you got Georgia, South Carolina, the SEC on CBS is back, which is great. So I'm excited to hear that music um, uh, once again for the SEC. Because we've heard it some this year, but it was for a non-SEC game. For to... Rutgers Northwestern, I yeah, think. Yeah, it didn't, have uh... the, it didn't hit the same, Matt Green. Uh, I got to say, it didn't hit the same. Um, but so I guess they're just easing us into the Big Ten. It's like, oh, get you used to flipping to this channel, Big Ten fans. So next mm-hmm. year you just you just go full. CBS is going full Big Ten in 2024. Absolutely. Um, Matt Green, though, before we get into our week two picks, or week three, excuse me, picks here, um, the SEC power rankings that we uh, posted on social media this week that you can go check out on the Instagram page at Pod Chase Thomas, or I believe that's at Chase Thomas Podcast, or on Twitter at Pod Chase Thomas. Shared it over there, and we got a lot of a lot of interesting feedback um, regarding your. And I had to clarify because folks were going after me originally, and I was like, No, 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 it's it's Matt Green. This is the guy you want. It's, it's uh, a <laughs> throwing it, me under the bus. It's not really like you were like it's not really throwing you under the bus. Highlight the green, you know. Maybe I get mm. some green font next time that uh, makes it obvious. It's it's a uh, it's it's not. Not a uh, reflective of Chase Thomas's views. Thank you. Um, I, I need that uh, need that attribution there. But um, one through fourteen, it was interesting. I didn't necessarily agree with it. But Matt Green, what did you make of the the good folks uh, reaching out to you regarding the power rankings? And uh, what were you surprised about? And uh, what do you have to say for yourself after your power rankings through week two? Shout out to uh, to James Suggs. Uh, mm. Holy cow, that's literally the worst <laughs> I've ever seen. Um, so, you know, respect. Thanks for listening, James. Really seeing the graphic. Mm. Um, so for the for the listeners out there, I had a uh, number one, Georgia, two, Alabama, three, Texas A&M, four, LSU, five, Tennessee, six, Ole Miss, seven, Arkansas, eight, Kentucky, nine, Auburn. 10 Mississippi State, 11 South Carolina, 12 Florida, 13 Missouri, and 14 Vanderbilt. Not necessarily the best radio to just read them off like that, but you know, we got to do what we got to do. So you're so you're with me here. Mm-hmm. So um I was surprised at how many people just like you lose, you go down. Like this is a power ranking. We're 2 weeks in. I'm not if I have a doubt about a team and they've played two cupcakes, I'm not going to now think that this this team is a, a great team. You know, I'm not just going to I'm not the whiplash crowd, you know, like Texas A&M. I think most people be surprised to have Texas A&M obviously had them ahead of Tennessee, having all Alabama A&M and LSU ahead of Tennessee. But I, from what I thought about Tennessee in the preseason, I, like, I don't feel like we've learned anything from Virginia and uh, who Austin P this past week. If anything, you know, I think most people were pretty disappointed with how Tennessee looked against Austin P so Tennessee, I feel like they, they're undefeated, right, against a pretty not challenging schedule. We don't know how good the Miami Hurricanes are, right? Like most people don't expect them to, to be a, a contender this year. But there's, a, there's a, a chance that Texas A&M just played a very good Miami team, right? Like we don't necessarily know. I, I feel like I'm still high on A&M. 
it was uh, obviously not a good performance to just give up 48. I mean, they were in that game, but they just they could never get any closer because they just couldn't stop Miami's offense. LSU, obviously, I think lost to the best team. I mean, you can split hairs without with Texas and Florida State. But um, even though LSU probably lost to the best team, I just didn't think they looked good. Like, not taking anything away from Florida State. Like, Florida State looks great. But LSU, I just this, – the questions we may have had about Jaden Daniels were not answered in that Florida State game. And he might go on to look really good in, a, in some other games. Um, and Florida State's the best team he plays. You know, we could, we could find that out. But um, – so I just wasn't impressed with how LSU played. And then Alabama, you know, I with I feel like my preseason prediction of all three of these teams going 10 and 2, I wasn't expecting all of them to lose one this early. I was expecting Alabama, but I think there's still a chance they're the second best team in the SEC West and we're overreacting because Texas is maybe the third best team in the country this year. Yeah, I think it's weird. I think Connor Wegman's the best quarterback in the conference this year um and i think that'll be continue to prove it be proven out over the course of this season but if you would put it's hard to just move alabama too far down based on what uh transpired uh against texas i get it it's at home and then and it, it's a tough loss but texas might just be like we talked about it on uh sunday's show it's just they could very well be the uh title favorites at this point um at least uh the favorites to get in there with georgia and the the final four here so that's not really a bad loss when you look at it even if it was a rough uh rough game for alabama especially down the stretch but um lsu tennessee old miss is where things get a little dicey for me because i think i would right now put old miss ahead of tennessee and we'll get into old miss mm. uh, at this point but i think they've shown more and i think they're more complete uh to this point i don't know if that necessarily be the case over the course of the full season but i think uh they've definitely shown more um and i'm more optimistic about them at this present moment um and how complete they look on both sides of the ball but um lsu uh, huge wild card. I like them next to Texas A&M because both got blown out by uh, good teams, um, potentially top 15, top 10 teams apiece uh, with how Miami looks too. We have to change how we look at them after uh, the first couple weeks of their season. So I think by and large, that's pretty correct. And then we'll see um, on the bottom hand where Mizzou has an opportunity to move up a little bit. Arkansas, we'll get into, they've looked kind of shaky. Kentucky, nowhere near um, the top echelon. Uh, to this point and then Auburn being the wild card that they were uh, barely surviving uh, against Cal but uh, good running back rotation that you like Peyton Thorne hasn't played his best ball yet uh, I think their offensive line's better than I would have thought uh, to this point and we know the defense is going to be solid over the course of the year so they are a team to watch too at that ninth spot but by and large good first edition here uh, Matt Green on uh, your weekly SEC power rankings we'll be doing on social so check that out uh on twitter instagram wherever you uh keep up with uh keep up with the show we appreciate it um matt green where are we going first in our week three but before we get there actually how are the current standings heading into week three here sir uh the current standings so uh we are both 14 and 8 overall uh, on the season but i am 14 and 8 against the spread a one game on you 13 and 9 against mm. the spread and then uh zeus with his home dog of the week he is uh 3 and 1 so uh we'll see if zeus can uh can find another home dog for the people this week you love saying home dog not necessarily his homie or his home dog like mm -hmm. some may think but um it is uh, the home dog of the week, nonetheless. 
I like it. I like it. Well, Matt Green, where are we going first this weekend? So let's start it off. This is what the people want. Mm. On a normal week, I would say this had uh, some college game day appeal. Um, mm. Definitely if Utah, if Florida beats Utah, but the Tennessee Volunteers going on the road to play the Florida Gators. And Florida is a seven point home dog this week. What are you thinking, sir? What are your what are your gut feels telling you? Well, let me let me set the scene first. Florida has won nine straight at home against the Tennessee Volunteers. Last time Tennessee won in Gainesville, Florida was 2003 with I want to say who Casey Clawson. At it the was time. Casey Clawson. So Iceman. it's been a while. And that was was that the game with the Florida dude? Like uh was he punched the Tennessee DB in the in the face? And like the face mask and got like a penalty and it there's something happened with a personal foul that gave Tennessee a first down and they end up kicking that game winning field goal. I remember, I can't remember exactly what happened, mm. but something along those lines. Maybe it was Dallas Baker. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Okay. I digress. It was a low scoring game. Was it? I'd have to go back and look it up. Um yeah. it was twenty four ten, I think. So Florida's a seven point <laughs> dog in this one. Obviously, have not been impressive. Ran the score up on McNeese State for whatever that's worth. But against Utah, when we actually saw them play, where they have 13 yards rushing in that in that opening game. How do you see this game going, sir? What are your gut feels telling you? I think I'm gonna surprise you. I think this wow. is the this is a pivotal point in the year. And I've gone back and forth, and all Tennessee fans have started getting a little nervous about this one. I feel the same way about this game that I felt about LSU last year. That's what it's starting to feel like to me where Tennessee fans were nervous. They're like, are we really favored in death Valley? Like, this is weird. Like this was just something before the year. You just were like, probably not going to win that one. It's tough, tough place to play. Should be a good team. A lot of talent there. Don't have a lot of history of success there. You're a little dubious about going into that kind of environment and winning. Tennessee was favored at LSU. And I said on this program, I'm like, I think Tennessee is going to win big against LSU. I think this is one of those where Tennessee fans just have to see it. And then it changed the trajectory of the whole season where that LSU game was huge for their confidence, for just proving that Tennessee was right. And people forget they did struggle against Pitt in uh, the opener last year. The offense wasn't humming on all cylinders uh, to this point. Joe Milton said he's talked about it, not losing in Florida. He's going to have a lot of family at this game. He's closer to being from Orlando than Miami. His best game as a Tennessee volunteer was in Miami in the Orange Bowl against Clemson last year. I think this is a humongous oh, is that, game. I was for, wondering how many games he's played in Florida. But well, this is his. Sense. Here's what's interesting. This is his first real road game at Tennessee. He hasn't played a real road game since being at Michigan in 2020. This is something where because he played home at Pitt, played uh, Bowling Green at home, and then got hurt um, in what the South Carolina game. Uh, not too long after, and that was it. And then Indian Hooker took on, and Hooker actually started uh, at Florida, and Florida pulled away late with Emory Jones and company, but that was a discombobulated group to that point. Obviously not nearly the amount of talent Tennessee has now two years later going back to the swamp. But all that to say, we haven't seen Joe Milton in a hostile SEC environment yet. We don't know what that's going to look like. Tennessee's best weapon in this game is Jalen Wright. And Jalen Wright's averaging over 10 yards a carry to this point. And he's not getting, they've, I think, kept him pretty limited in his carries just for this kind of moment. But 
Florida's not good. And it's something that Tennessee fans just have to say out loud. Florida is bad. And if you go through the history of the 25 years of Tennessee not winning in the swamp, part of the issue here is Florida was favored most of those times. A lot of these years, Florida was the better team at that point in the year. Tennessee actually weirdly ended up winning a lot more game or winning more games in Florida. A lot of those years they ended up losing early on. But this is a rare territory where Tennessee is still a, a favorite, almost a touchdown favorite going into this game. That's different. That's more than you were getting at LSU. Another good option. I think people are just scared to admit that Tennessee is on the up and up and Heupel has this, the floor significantly higher. He beat Florida a year ago. It got messy at the end, but they were rolling. And again, the defense is better than what it was a year ago. Graham Mertz and what Florida does the best is their two-headed running back monster. They ran the ball really well last weekend. They look at a different team. Tennessee's got a top 20 rush defense. They had a top 20 rush defense last year. They're going to be good at that. And they are going to take that away from uh from florida they have the number four rushing offense i think tennessee's gonna be able to run on florida and i think that's gonna be really important the weirdest thing about this game and i'm very curious to see how it goes is tennessee is 94th in yards per attempt through the air that's not going to continue <laughs> that is not what's going to happen in this josh heupel offense they are going to continue to run the ball well and this will be a run to set up the past kind of team this year but they are going to air it out, and I think they're going to air it out quickly to establish some confidence. And that's kind of what we saw in that LSU game where you want to take the air out of the building in the swamp early. You don't want this to be a dogfight where you're going to the halftime at 6-3, six, 10-7. Six, I feel like you went both ways there. So for one, that's why I don't I don't like pay attention to like the stat rankings this early in the season, you know, just because it's like, who have you played? How many games? So I think Tennessee for ranking 94th, or they, they could definitely have a good passing game. But Florida, it's two games. So we don't necessarily know what they are yet. Obviously, they're they're going to need to run the ball. I think that I think it's fair to say like that's the way it, this game needs to be played for Florida. Cause that's what it comes down to. Like Tennessee did have a good run defense a year ago, but they also had like a really bad pass defense. So it's like mm -hmm. it kind of works hand in hand. So if Graham Mertz is able to do some things to at least, you know, make the them respect the passing game, like I think that's what it comes down to. Because Florida obviously wants to run the ball. And if if Tennessee's also running the ball and we're kind of shortening the game, like that kind of plays into the only way Florida can win this game. Like if if both teams have like four, like four, three or four possessions a piece in the first half or something like that. So I think if Tennessee is running the ball, I think that could that might be how they get upset is not having the the two play 75 yard drive or five play score in like 50 seconds type of thing like they love to do. I think that's where they get into a shootout and Florida can't hang with them. But if they're if they're grinding some clock and shortening the game, I think I think Florida might could hang with them. But that speaks to what I'm also saying. I think Tennessee is going to be looking to blow them out early. And I think you want to get after Graham Mertz early. I think they're, they were, they, so one of the things about the first two weeks, Tennessee has a lot of sacks. I think they lead the SEC in sacks uh, through two weeks. They're not even doing any twists. They're not doing anything all that fancy up front. They're just going straight up four on four. And they're just bull rushing the crap out of the first two teams they played. I understand Austin P and Virginia don't have the, uh, the, the sexiest offensive line. But they're getting home doing nothing. They're getting home without having to blitz and do creative stuff. They're going to get home against Graham Mertz. This Florida offensive line is not good. This Florida no. offensive line is going to struggle against this Tennessee pass rush. 
So if Florida is going to be in this game, Barry Maritz has to have a good game. Tennessee can win this game with T Joe Milton having an okay game and Tennessee having a, or Joe Milton having a great game. Florida can only win this game with Graham Mertz having something like Emory Jones was awesome two years ago at home against Tennessee. He has to be the better quarterback, not just better. He needs to dice up Tennessee, kind of like Spencer Rattler diced up Tennessee um, at home uh, the last fall. That's what it has to look like for Tennessee. I just think there are so many other ways for Tennessee to win this game comfortably than there is for Florida to squeak this game out. And it's just such a big game because if Tennessee wins this game, you're looking at five and zero going into a bye week against Texas A&M and Alabama, and just all the hype. And you're just you basically recreate it. Like everything is awesome after that. You lose this one, then it's like, uh oh, can we really get through UTSA coming in at home? Is that going to be rocky? Are we going to be able to handle South Carolina the following week? Like it just it's so critical to the rest of this season, and I think they all know that. Cooper Mays also, it looks like he's going to play. Uh, he's traveling with the team. Starting center's been out for the last two years. That has played a role into Tennessee's, I think, early struggles um, uh, with tempo and everything else to this point. I think that's critical. If Cooper's healthy and he's playing, that adds another wrinkle to this group. But I think Josh Heupel is going to want to get off to a fast start. I think he's going to want Joe to be confident uh, in this one. And that means taking the roof off the, roof off the ball and uh, roof off the place and just airing it out and letting Joe be Joe. It's interesting how I feel like Billy Napier is the one that comes in under like so much pressure that like, who knows, hot seat talk could start if, if this thing gets ugly or something, you know, it's like in year two, but it just feels like there's not a lot of patience and I could be wrong. I might not have this, the right pulse of the fan base, but it feels like Napier is the one that's under so much pressure. But it, to me, these coaches are under equal pressure because mm. Because Heupel, there's still monkeys that Tennessee hasn't gotten off their back, right? And it's like going to the swamp and beating Florida, especially when you're better. Like Georgia fans under Mark Richt know that better than anybody. Like they were better than Florida so many times in those early Richt years and still weren't beating Florida. So for for uh, for Heupel to get that monkey off, like that's just massive. Because I mean, right now Tennessee wants to be an elite program. Like this team went 11 and two finished well like number eight or something last year number nine and they're trying to be in that elite group and the elite group goes on the road and and wins games that against inferior competition you know and and it's it's a it's a hostile environment it's the sec but that's what tennessee fancies themselves right like they they think that they're there now and that's what you have to do you got to go on the road and and win these type of games because if, if tennessee doesn't win this game where's the floor for Tennessee? Like, where do the fans start to go with it? It's like, if we lose to Florida, well, shit, we lose into Georgia, we lose to Alabama, we lose into A&M, like, do we lose to Kentucky? Like, what's happening, you know? Because Florida does not look like a good team right now. But I also feel like, I don't know, it's, I feel like there's something, like, they have to win this game. Like, for, if you look at Florida, like, the back is against the wall, they already, they already lost to Utah, like, there's there's nothing tangible. I think I go back to like um, when I was doing my pick them back in 2019, Florida Auburn at Florida, and it was like there was nothing better about Florida than that Auburn team at the time. Like Florida Auburn was just coming in like best defensive line in the country, but it was just something like yeah, but Florida's at home and they like they have to win this game. Like and so I just I feel like Tennessee is the better team, 
But this is your home dog of the week, sir. I'm picking the Gators to to somehow get it done. And you, if you're going to call me a Tennessee hater, but Hold this on, is the Florida Gators. I'm covering or are you fan. saying winning outright? I'm saying Florida's going to upset Tennessee on Saturday night. I just, something weird. I don't think they're better. I really don't. But it's a night game in the swamp. It's just like there's something to it that like, I think at home, this running game is going to get going. Because I don't think Graham Mertz has to be Steven Garcia versus Alabama, right? I don't think he has to be Zach Calzada at channel some, you know, level he's never been at before. I think if he's just solid in the passing game and they're actually able to run the ball, because I think that's what it comes down to. If they can't run the ball, they're not winning this game. Like, those are the two best players on this offense, uh, ETN and Johnson. Like, I think if if they're able to run the ball, that's the ultimate equalizer, and this could be a game. So give me Florida 24 to 20, sir. Shock in the world. Wow. Um, I'll say the final score here. I'm going balls 43, Florida 17. Ooh, blowout. I do think so this how's is going to be a Milton, does, what is, does Milton throw for like 400 yards? No, I think they run all over him. I think okay. Florida has a lot of bad turnovers. I think they have short fields, and I think Tennessee doesn't make mistakes. Milton still hasn't thrown a pick. Like this Tennessee team does not beat themselves um, whatsoever. So I just, I think you're looking at a a beat down in Florida implodes a little bit, uh, gets a little too antsy, and I think it gets ugly early. And Tennessee just rides it out, runs the ball down their throat to to keep uh, keep this game in uh, in submission. So balls forty three. I have been told that in the swamp, only gators come out alive. You know, that's what I've been told. Mm. So we shall see if Joe Milton, because he doesn't lose in Florida. So something has to give. Mm. Something has to give there. Um, so let's keep this one moving. Well, we're going next, I'm assuming, to your neck of the woods here, sir. We're going to keep it in the SEC for sure. Our, C, our 3.30 CBS game this week, we got the Georgia Bulldogs hosting the South Carolina Gamecocks. And Georgia's a 27-point favorite in this one. And um, I just wanted to throw a few stats out at you uh, before we get into this game. We all talk about Saban and his former assistants. Kirby Smart's building himself quite the coaching tree as well. Um, mm-hmm. Still hasn't faced Mel Tucker. We might not get the opportunity, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, all due respect. Kirby versus former assistants right now is five and zero, with an average score of forty-two to seven in those games. So only three and two against the spread, though. He's had some big spreads uh, against uh, Sam Pittman in Arkansas twenty twenty. They were twenty-seven and a half point favorites. Uh, they only won by twenty-seven. Um, but they were like a 16 or 17 point favorite versus Arkansas in 2021 and beat, blew the brakes off of them just 37-0. And then South Carolina, they uh, last year was like a 24 point spread. And it was, was what was the final score of that game? 48-7, I want to say. So they did cover last year, didn't cover back in 2021. I think that was like a 28 point spread and they won by 27. So This is a similar situation, and I was close to picking a similar score um, as 2021. But I'll let you get in. How do you see? uh, How do how do you see Georgia South Carolina going? So that's a high number, um, 27 and a half here. 
I understand how it went last year. I understand the history now, as you uh, illustrated here in terms of Kirby versus his assistants. And there was some weird stuff with how Kirby feels about uh, Shane Beamer. A lot of dog talk about uh, their relationship. And uh, I remember that time Kirby got really mad at Shane Beamer on the sidelines uh, with the whole first down uh, motion. That was last year. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it was when they tried to do a fake punt or something and georgia stopped it and but yeah i think that's what everyone points to because it was like oh okay is there some beef with shane beamer and uh and kirby i don't know mm-hmm. but yeah i mean he did take a lateral job i didn't you know maybe to to go from georgia to oklahoma um so i don't know maybe they feel some kind of way about it maybe uh maybe maybe he uh you know did something bad on the way out of the, out of the office who knows there you go i like just it spreading uh, rumors just uh you know recklessly South Carolina is sneaky ninth in yards per attempt through the air, Matt Green. Um, the offense and Rattler, I think, are actually better. And I think what happened in that North Carolina game, I don't think it was a lot of Rattler. I think it was a lot of that offensive line was horrible. Like, he got sacked nine times and got destroyed um, and could have been sacked and gotten hurt just with what he was what he was up against. I don't know. I, I think this passing game might be okay. I think South Carolina might be a sneaky, okay passing offense um, this year. And I think Rattler doesn't do this full on regression to what he was uh, at the early part of last year. I think they're going to be able to move the ball through the air. The problem is they averaged 2.8 yards per uh, carry against Furman. Um, they ran for minus two yards against North Carolina. I'm concerned if they're not going to, like, if you're struggling against Furman to run the ball, I don't think you're going to be able to run the ball against Georgia. And then you're going to be opening yourself up to passing uh, your way into contention against this Georgia defense. And I don't know how that's ultimately going to go, but part of me really does just feel like this South Carolina team is going to be able to score some points on Georgia. Georgia's defense is good, not to the same degree that we've seen the last couple of years. What is the status of uh, Bullard? Is he going to play? I'm I'm think it sounds like he's not gonna play. I okay. just I also kind of question what Kirby Smart when he when guys are day to day like they mm. can be day to day for months like you just never really know. My gut tells me South Carolina covers here, Matt Green. I think this game ultimately Georgia it's never in doubt, but I do think South Carolina and Spencer Rattler are gonna put up a sneaky amount of points that people are gonna say after like South Carolina put on how many? I think. Or I think Georgia wins this 45-28. I think it's going to be another a positive offensive showing for uh, for Georgia in this one. I think they make uh, positive steps there. But I do think South Carolina is able to get some shots on uh, on Georgia to ultimately cover. Never really have a shot to win this one, but I think they're going to score and play better on that side of the ball. And I, spent, I think Spencer Rattler is going to have an okay day, is my gut. I think this is going to be a statement game for Georgia, mm. to be honest. I think you've seen them just not really show anything these first two weeks, and people will be like, you know, questioning what's going on, the slow starts in the first half. Like, those are just essentially like practice games, and the, you won both of them by like 40 points, also. So I just feel like with what North Carolina did, and that's just one game, you know, but just nine sacks in one game, like, that's just. Obviously, I'm sure South Carolina has made some adjustments uh, since then, but you just know how much better Georgia's defensive line is than North Carolina's. Like, even if North Carolina has one of the better ones in the ACC, we just know what Georgia has. And I think if for the the most important part is just Georgia's just so good at shutting down the run and just making teams be one dimensional. So Spencer Rattler's a really good player, and it's like, you know, he might hit some shots in this game. 
but I just think more than anything, this offensive line is not going to give him enough time. And he's just, if you're throwing enough, like you're going to make some, some mistakes And this Georgia defense is going to get some turnovers. Like Malachi Starks got a, got a pick on a pretty questionable decision by Rattler a year ago. Like, I just think you're going to see, you're going to see what this Georgia team is like really capable of. I mean, I think the, 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 you know, the running back situation is definitely like a, a point of concern at this point, because, you know, you just don't have that many healthy bodies. Like I don't seeing how Kendall Milton looked at times last year, like this guy can't be a hundred percent right now. Like he does not look like he's moving the same way as he was in the Ohio state game, like finishing runs hard. Like he just doesn't have that gear. He just, he doesn't look right. Um, Branson Robinson was the one that a lot of people thought of the most upside and myself included coming to this year and he's out for the season. So you know, Roderick Robinson, the true freshman, has been solid, but I mean, that's a it's a true freshman. I mean, he is like two six two, like two forty or something as a true freshman. But you know, that's a lot to rely on uh, with the, with a true freshman. So Dylan Bell looked as good as anybody. I wonder if we'll see him get more carries. But and Dejon Edwards, I think, is supposed to be healthy for this game, and so that would be a, a definitely an upgrade uh, for the for the running game. Because I mean, I think there's a chance he could have played in either of the last two games, and they kind of held him out just as a precaution, just to let him get fully hundred percent. But I think you're really going to see Bobo in this offense, like actually what, what they're capable of. I, I think it's more of like a 41 to 13. Like I don't see, I don't see South Carolina scoring two touchdowns on Georgia. Okay. I like it. Matt Green, where are we going next? Keeping it moving. Let's go to uh the sneaky game. Over here in the uh, in the SEC Big Twelve, former Big Twelve country, mm-hmm. Missouri Tigers. They are wait, they're at home, right? I'm looking yes. at the uh, I'm looking at my list wrong. Missouri is at home. They are mm-hmm. a home dog this week versus the Kansas State uh, Wildcats. Forgot their mascot there for a second. Um, 2022 Big Twelve champs. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Missouri's a five and a half point home dog. Thought about going home dog, Missouri here. Mm. But I just, I look at this game from a year ago and they're two different teams, right? Like things change, but they lost to the bad Kansas State last Mm. year. Like with Adrian Martinez, like that was not the good version of Kansas State. And that team blasted Missouri 40 to 12, I think was the final score. Mm hmm. Once Will Howard took over like this, and obviously Deuce Vaughn's gone now, and he had a big game in that game. But Will Howard, once he took over at Kansas State, they that they were it was a, a huge upgrade in my opinion. So I just don't see how much better Missouri really is. The SEC, I'm spooked, man, by the SEC's out of conference uh, history so far mm. this season. So um, I don't see Missouri really uh, giving Kansas State like. I don't think it's, I don't see this being too close of a game. Like not, not they're going to blow them out. I like something like a 38, 27. That's like a, you know, a, a close ish score, but it didn't come down to the wire. Interesting. I, here's the thing. Mizzou is like one of those teams where they're really hard to read to this point. We'll see if it's Brady cook, Sam horn, obviously a new offensive coordinator in the fold this year. I think their defense uh, is solid. They're just so 500 where I'm like, they're just always going to be around that six and six, seven and five, five and seven range. And you look at this and you're like, okay, 
what is the case here? And you're like, well, they're sneaky 23rd in yards per attempt through the air. So the the passing offense has been a little has been a lot better than what we saw uh, last year. The problem is whoever they have under center, whether it's Cook or um, uh, Horn, Will Howard's much better on the opposite side. And like you alluded to, they lost to the bad Kansas State team with AJ Martinez. Will Howard might be the best quarterback in um, in the Big 12 this year. He they're the defending champs for a reason. And you go through it last year. They're Quinn Ewers now. I mean, sure, but we got to see a full year of Quinn Ewers. We've seen more of Howard to this point. Howard has been like, I'm all in on Quinn Ewers, as you know. But like that game, let's see how that goes. Because I think that's going to be actually the biggest test for Texas uh, remaining on their schedule this year from going 12 and 0. But Howard is a great player. They're top 25 in offense again. Chris Kleiman gets this group ready to go. There's not really hangovers to this group. They're just so well coached. They're, they have like a very um just lunch pail way about them they're the, the blue collar team of college football that just shows up goes to work and does their job and goes home just wins a lot of games just in a bigger conference than like the navies of the world and the air forces they're four, they were four and one on the road last year they were they won big on the road they weren't really phased when kansas state took uh to the road they obviously drubbed mizzou last year at home everything here points to me where i'm like people want to talk themselves into mizzou at home they're like this could get interesting I don't buy it. I think Kansas State wins, and I think they cover. I think they actually have a have a big win here, and we're like, oh, right, Mizzou is still Mizzou, and Kansas State's one of the two best teams in the Big 12 this year. We agree there, sir. <clears throat> um, mm. Keeping it moving. This was a home dog. Home dog candidate here, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State Bulldogs versus LSU. Mississippi State's a 10-point dog at home. How do you see this game going? feels like forever ago kj costello and company blew out the lsu in a really really surprising fashion matt green it's gerald too they blew out lsu one year uh, here's the problem 74 38 and three all-time lsu in this series um zach arnett with the funniest coaching moment this year uh when he was leaving the game last week did you hear him drop the f-bomb uh with cole kublik uh following their win uh last week oh yeah funny i like zach arnett he's funny um but LSU's 11th in passing offense. People are really jaded by what happened against Florida State, especially late. Here's the problem, too. I don't know what Mississippi State's good at. And what I mean by that is we knew what their offense was. We knew what their identity was last year. Zach Arnett, we've seen good Mississippi State defenses in the past. This isn't a great one. This one is, to this point, they're 64th in yards per attempt given up through two weeks. You look at the offense, you're like, okay, well, are they, do they have the the upside of the leech offense? Not really. Like they're okay. Like they're not a bad offense to this point, but LSU's an elite offense still. And I think LSU is going to have their way with this Mississippi state defense. Um, I don't think we're looking at a one and two start for the Bayou Tigers uh, in this one. They just don't really have an identity at this point. Like they're scrappy Mississippi state. That is. Will Rogers still fine, still completing a high percentage of his passes. I think they're going to be relatively okay. I just don't think they have what it takes to beat a team as loaded as LSU, a team that's already lost early in embarrassing fashion that is going to be, <laughs> it's not going to mess around and play with their food against Mississippi State, which is what I think Mississippi State needs. Um, and maybe I feel differently if they come in undefeated or they're too, they overlook Mississippi State. But this is a team that's trying to win the SEC West this year. This is a team with a lot of talent. I see LSU winning big and and covering. I don't think this will be particularly close. Yeah, that's kind of, <clears throat> that's kind of how I see it. I just 
I'm still not sold on this LSU team, but like you said, Mississippi State hasn't looked great either. And I just LSU's not starting one and two. Like they're they're gonna this is kind of a do or die game. Like mm. if, if LSU somehow loses this game, like that's this is this changes everything. Yeah. So I think LSU, yeah, I think it's something like a like a 30, 34, 16 kind of game. Like maybe it's a game into the fourth quarter or something, but but LSU pulls away. So yeah, I uh, I agree. Uh, where are we going next, Matt Green? All right, keeping it moving. Uh, we got Penn State. This is a sneaky one, too. Going on the road at Illinois. Illinois is a 14-point home dog in this one. And I'm just not sure how to feel. I, uh, I look at Illinois, and this team had the number one scoring defense in all of college football last year. And... They haven't been that so far mm-hmm. this year. Who they played? Toledo and... Got uh, blasted by uh, Kansas last week. And yeah, Kansas put 34 points on them. So I just look at Penn State, and I think this Penn State team is just a, a good team. And I just think they're going to... I think they're going to go on the road. This is a big test, you know, for Drew Aller. You know, I think this is a sneaky game because Illinois, they... uh, I feel like Brett Bielema just sneaks up on people. But... uh. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna go Penn State to uh to actually get this done. So give me Penn State to uh to win and cover. Oh, I didn't think we would agree here, uh, Matt Green. Drew Allard to this point, obviously elite, looking awesome. This Penn State team and it it looks special, Matt Green. It uh, you were all in on Penn State before the year. They're averaging fifty point five points per game through two weeks. Um, there are only seven teams in the power five that are averaging 50 or more. So they're in that group. Illinois won this game in 2021 at home. If you recall, James Franklin's one and one against Illinois uh, to this point. The oh, that is, was that overtime. Like yeah. one of the first two point conversion. Oh, I hated that so much. It was like 18 to 16 or something after like four overtimes. Yeah. Here's the other issue. Ryan Walters no longer the DC. He's over uh, coaching Purdue now. Um, they promote from within. They'll probably be okay, like defensively. Rough show of things, though. That's a rough schedule to get. Penn State, uh, Kansas, and Toledo uh, for your defense because that's just those are three solid offenses and two uh, potentially elite ones here in back-to-back weeks. They're 115th in yards per attempt on defense at this point. They struggled keeping Kansas uh, in front of them and keeping Kansas uh, from dialing up uh, whatever what they wanted to do in that one last Friday night. I think they're going to struggle even more against Penn State. I think Penn State actually wins, and I think they went big. I think this is a down year for Illinois. My my heart of hearts feels like a five and seven, four and eight year uh, for Brett Beal and his group, unfortunately. And it's also like one of, you know how some schools like they get the the SEC transfer, and you're like, ooh. Like at the, you're like you can't wait for them to have competent quarterback play. It was like Wisconsin; they get Graham Mertz, and you're like, Wisconsin's had the Jim Sorgies and the and company forever. I can't wait to see them with a. And it's like, oh, this is significantly worse. Bring back Alex Hornibrook because th- maybe they were not supposed to have high upside quarterbacks. Go with the two three stars that work really hard and don't turn the ball over. I feel like that's Illinois, where Luke Altmyer, former four star quarterback, comes in from Mississippi State or from Ole Miss, but from Starkville, and he's talented like he could be one of the best quarterbacks in that in that western part of the division i think illinois is better off with the tommy delvecchios of the world of the uh the the ben DiNucci's types you need to you need to go the other way you need to be going for the three stars that just happy to be there don't 
lose the game, but they're back on that Juice Williams look, and I'm just uh, I don't know if that's uh, that's what you want to be if you're Brett Bielma in Illinois. I think you gotta you gotta go backwards. You gotta get your Alex Hornibrook, get them back on track. Hey, that's uh, the definition of insanity. Uh, <laughs> the Alex Hornibrooks weren't winning anything. Uh, with all due respect to Alex Hornibrook out there. All right. Well, we agree. Where are we going next, Matt Green? We're going to the surprising college game day visit this Mm. week you know i think espn just they couldn't risk colorado potentially losing and uh messing up that usc uh colorado game for a couple weeks from now because i mean if 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 they uh if they're undefeated when usc comes to town like man that place will be absolutely bonkers go to colorado again who cares um but the colorado buffaloes or buffalo they're buffaloes right they are the buffaloes um, I think both are grammatically correct, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, <laughs> Colorado State comes into this one, and they've made it personal, sir. Colorado is a 24-point <laughs> favorite at home. College game day is going to be there. What do you say about this game, sir? They didn't need any ammunition, and the Jane Arvell quote is not great. Um, they didn't need it. The thing I will say, though, and Dion's just always hilarious, and uh, his response was great. I will say, they're second in passing offense behind Washington um, uh, to this point. 453 yards uh, through the air, completing Shador Sanders is completing 77% of his passes, averaging 10 yards per attempt, hasn't thrown a pick yet, 6 TDs, 0 INTs. Um, Matt Green, you're not going to see that from Colorado State here. Colorado State and Jay Norvell's group is... Uh, they're on the struggle bus um, to this point. I mean, Colorado State's a tough job. Obviously, uh, this is going to be a tough, tough situation, a tough atmosphere uh, for the Rams to walk into Colorado, and they added ammunition here. I will say, this is the thing I think is interesting is like the was there a letdown spot here with USC and Oregon looming? I think there was. I think uh, after two big wins against Nebraska and TCU right out of the gate, you could have seen a letdown spot in a rivalry spot where Colorado State gets super amped up for this one. Colorado overlooks it. Well, they get game day, and now Dion gets uh, the coach talking about uh, Dion wearing a hat and sunglasses uh, for his interview. It just doesn't matter. Like, what are you doing? Why are you worried about it? Like, let Dion be Dion. There's nothing like you do you, and which is totally fine. Let Dion be Dion. There's no reason to like throw that into the throw that into this uh this week and the game plan and everything else. And now they're fired up and they didn't need that kind of ammunition. Kirby looks for it all the time. You, you just gave him some rat poison. Why why would you do that? Uh if you're Colorado State. That all being said, I think they're gonna win big either way. I think this Colorado State's team's not very good, so I think it's a little overblown by how folks are talking about this one and like, oh, what's going to happen? I was like, they probably would have blown them out anyway. Colorado State's 118th in uh, yards per attempt on defense. They're last in the Mountain West in time possession. I think this one can get ugly in a hurry. Like if Colorado State's punting early, they're not getting much traction against this Colorado front. Shador Sanders is going to light this secondary up. He's going to light this team up, especially at home. I think Colorado wins big, something like 56 to 7, something like that. I think it's going to be pretty brutal um for the rams but i will also say it's gonna happen like colorado's not going 12 and 0 and i just want to see what happens with the, these kind of weeks where look shador's awesome travis hunter's awesome dion's awesome but it, there is going to be a week i want to see how he responds when they get when 
I mean, it, maybe it's USC, maybe it's Oregon, whoever it is, where it's like, uh-oh. Because Oregon has also talked. You remember? They they talked about Colorado. Dan Lanning talked about Colorado um, this offseason leaving for the Big 12, which feels like forever ago. What is, does that to brought be back fair, up? Dan Lanning was just like, yeah, they're leaving the conference. Like, okay, they haven't really won anything. What I'm saying conference. is that's going to get like, played that wasn't back. Like a, that wasn't like a Dion dig or No, anything, but they're going to turn it into that is what I'm saying. That's going to be played that's and that's going to be talked about. And but, what happens if Oregon just blasts Colorado like 45 to 7? Like, that's a possibility. Or for like, it's a good game, but Oregon ultimately comes out on top. Like, I just, I wonder what happens when it goes the other way a little bit because yeah. there is so much hype and it's so much fun and there's so much investment and fans love this. What happens when adversity hits? I'm very curious to see how this team responds. No, it's not going to be Colorado State this, this week. is like, like you said, this could have been a letdown game, but once mm. game day came, it's like, this is going to be like a huge atmosphere and everything now. And then I just don't even know what this guy's doing. Like actually <laughs> talking about like being disrespectful for in sunglasses and a hat. It's like, that was actually like kind of a personal attack. Like, what are mm-hmm. you doing? Like, why are you talking that kind of shit about Dion too, of all people? Like, what are you doing? I, I have one guarantee for this game, and it's that Colorado scores fifty. Like, mm. that's that's like the goal. Like, if it's forty-three to seven, forty-three to fourteen, they're gonna put together another drive and go down there and score. Or if it's forty-two, they're gonna mm. go for two and make it fifty. Like, I feel like this is gonna be like a statement for sure. I don't know why you. I don't know why you put your, that bullseye on you if you if you're Colorado State. But bold strategy. We'll see how it works out. Probably not well. Um, Matt Green, where are we going next? Keeping it moving to uh, to my guy Drake May and the North Carolina mm. Tar Heels. They are a seven and a half point favorite at home versus Minnesota and the Golden Gophers. And um, I'm just not sure how I see this one going. I think uh, North Carolina is just that team that can just play with anybody. Like, Mm. it it feels like they just play to their competition. Like, App State is a respectable team, obviously. But, like, second year in a row, just down to the wire with a a Sunbelt Conference team. Like, that's not great. But you look at Minnesota, this team had three points in the first what, 57 minutes of that game versus Nebraska and somehow pulled it off. Their their second game, however, it's kind of crazy. They they had eight possessions the entire game. Four of them, they got inside the five and they end up with three field goals and uh, got stopped on the, on the goal line in one of them. So they, they had like 400 yards and only end up with 25 points. So the offense might not be quite as bad as it, it looked, but it was also against Eastern Michigan. I just think um, I don't think they can score with North Carolina, so I think uh, I think North Carolina wins and covers like like a, I don't know thir- a thirty to seventeen kind of game. Like I don't think Minnesota can hang with them. Yeah, Minnesota. I still don't like the offense. I don't like Minnesota on the road here. I think if this was a home game for Minnesota, I would probably lean to just picking Minnesota outright. Um, this just doesn't feel like a good spot for Minnesota on the road against uh, the second best quarterback in the country here. Um, UNC still sneaky bad on defense. Like there was some, are they getting a little bit better because of how the South Carolina game went? It's like, no, they didn't. They almost lost to App State again. Uh, Is App State better than South Carolina? No, but still like that's... I don't think so. It was a home game and it didn't look great. Like it was just... 
that Jizik defense is still just not very good. Like there was some talk of like, oh, have they turned the corner? It's like, no, they they're still 78th in defensive yards per play. That's nice for uh, Minnesota because they need uh, some some help on that front uh, to to score to do stuff against uh, North Carolina. I think the QB advantage at home is just what puts this over the top in terms of North Carolina winning and covering the spread. I think North Carolina is going to be good this year. I don't think they're going to be elite. I don't think they're going to win the ACC. I don't think they're better than the Duke. But I do think they feel like a nine and three ish team to me, and this doesn't feel like where they go down uh, against Minnesota. So I think they actually score a lot and uh, cover at home. So give me like Tar Heel something like 31 20. Put it on the board. Um, keeping it moving there. We got uh, the Washington Huskies mm. going on the road to the Michigan State Spartans. And Michigan State is a 16 point home dog in this one. You look at Michigan State. And obviously, a lot of controversy surrounding Michigan State right now with Mel Tucker and everything going on. They had the 87th pass defense a year ago, 101st total defense a year ago. It is a new team, but Washington, we know about this offense, and this is a really good offense. I just look at the road thing. Like, honestly, I think Washington is a significantly better team than Michigan State. But there's something about going on the road. Like they were, uh, they averaged 40, almost 44 points a game at home last year and about 37 a game on the road. Not a huge difference, but a little bit of difference. And they went three and two. Both of their losses were on, came on the road last year, uh, Washington. So I feel like they're going to take care of business, but not cover. So give me Washington to win, but that's a big spread. So like, I don't know, like a, 30 37 23 something like that like i think um i think washington wins but but doesn't cover interesting we're i didn't know we were going to do this we're going to agree again because i think it's a lot of points on the road um and we've seen pac-12 teams struggle on the road uh in spots like this um over the years and i'm i'm curious if that is ultimately what happens here but Michael Penix, they're number one, the number one passing offense in the country uh, to this point. He's averaging 472 yards uh, uh, with two victories over Boise and Tulsa. Um, here's the thing. You brought up Michigan State's past defense last year was terrible. They're fourth this year in uh, passing yards allowed uh, through, t- uh, through two games. They've only given up 107 yards. And uh, interestingly enough, Minnesota right there at number three. Uh, They've taken care of business for some cupcakes. Yeah, but we'll. uh, we'll You deserve credit for taking care of cupcakes because some teams don't. Some teams struggle against cupcakes at home. Of course, but once we're actually going big boys versus big boys, if you can even call Michigan State a big boy at this point, Mm. if we're talking like actual Power Five matchups, like what you did against, you know, unless it was bad, like if, if you did something, like if you looked bad against one of these cupcake games like yeah that that's that's more telling than actually putting up a big number it's like like florida you know doing nothing versus utah versus putting up 50 or whatever they did on mcneese state 350 yards on the ground it's like well yeah of course you did that you're you have you're at a different level so it's it's i can i got i can only take it with a grain of salt yeah, I mean, they they average 41 uh, passing attempts per game. I'm curious to see if Washington, which puts them at four. And interestingly enough, Colorado State's number three. They average 44. Colorado number two at 45. Who would you guess has thrown the most amount of passes uh, per game to this point in the year? 
and let me just go ahead and say oh, you said five eight. yards per attempt and so it's a pretty awful passing offense but they throw it more than anybody where'd you say colorado was number two. Oh damn that that definitely would have been my guess i don't know who's throwing more than them temple and they've completed 50 percent of their passes it's not great not Sounds great. like a passing out of a necessity type of deal, maybe for the for the owls. Mm. All that being said, give me. Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna say with everything going on in Michigan State this week, I think they implode. Uh, I think this is a rough, just a rough game to get up for against a top five, top ten potential team here with Washington. Give me, give me the Huskies to both win and cover. All right, changing it up. You're gonna regret that, sir. But you okay. know, whatever. If you want a losing, if you want a losing pick, that's fine. Uh, keeping it moving this is a tricky one for me arkansas razorbacks hosting the byu cougars and arkansas is a 10 and a half point favorite in this one no raheem sanders for the second straight game that's not ideal for this uh for this offense but how do you see this game going i think arkansas sneaky down this year too um, Old Miss is high, LSU's high. I think AM's good, Bama's good. Someone has to fall a little bit. Auburn a little bit ahead of schedule. We wondered who it would be. I think you thought it was Old Miss who took a step back this year in the in the SEC West. I think it's Arkansas. I think this looks just rough. I don't think it's gonna be a fun type of year. They're already banged up a little bit. Like you said, Raheem Sanders is not playing this one. They're ninety-eighth in yards per game through two weeks. Jay Hill, who was a big defensive coordinator at a uh, longtime coach at Weber State for the Cougs. Um, he's been a welcome addition. The Cougars defense is a lot better uh, to this point. They're not getting sacks, but they're keeping things in front of them. They're 122nd in uh, sacks per game at the FBS level with half a sack a game. But what's weird about the Cougs now um, is their offense stinks. They're 92nd in yards per attempt on offense so the offense really isn't clicking zach wilson's not walking through that door uh over there in provo to this point but they're still 2-0 in the big 12 conference i think the defense is a lot better i think the offense is still pretty bad this is a recipe for an ugly freaking game matt green i think this is going to be low scoring i think the both defenses show up in this one and i think both offenses struggle to really get anything any kind of rhythm going uh in fayetteville so give me give me the Give me 24-20 Arkansas wins. I think this is one that's close. BYU may be winning late, and Arkansas has to do some stuff because we're on the ticker. What time is this game? Oh, what time is this game? This is a late one, right? Um, 7.30. Yeah, I'm going to like have... I'm gonna, we're, two. Yeah, we're going to see this on the ticker watching Florida, uh, uh, Tennessee, where it's like, oh, BYU about to just beat Arkansas at Arkansas? Like, what, what's happening over there in Fayetteville? Um, but I do think Arkansas ultimately comes out of it with a win. But not to cover, right? Not to cover, no. KJ Jefferson is going to put the team on his back, sir. Mm. He doesn't need Raheem Sanders. He does have AJ Green, uh, a solid running back, but... um. I think KJ Jefferson's the best quarterback in the SEC, to be honest. I think uh What? I mean, who's better? This is Connor really... Wegman's better. Jalen Daniels is better. Uh, Jalen Daniels is not better than KJ Jefferson. Connor Wegman is. could be, but this is a I think this is if the SEC is down, this is the biggest part of the SEC is down. It's the quarterback position just across the board in this mm. conference. 
So it's not in most years. I don't think KJ Jefferson would be the best quarterback in the SEC. Like that's why he was probably fifth or also sixth Jackson or so Dart. The last I meant to, I was like, who am I forgetting? Jackson Dart. Jackson better. Dart's look good early for sure. Mm. Um, but I think KJ Jefferson is just they're going to use him the way they need to use him. He's going to be able to in the in the run game, and he's just an efficient passer. So I think uh, the S- Arkansas is going to buck the trend of the SEC. You know, kind of letting down in some of these. Power five versus power five games, which BYU now is. So give me Arkansas to win and cover it. I think it's going to be a close game. Could be like a backdoor cover situation, you know, maybe 21 17, and they punch one in late, make it a, make it 28 17 or something like that. So give me Arkansas to win and cover at home, sir. Wow. And let's keep it moving. My mm. what I didn't know was one of my favorite rivalries in all of is college it? football. After last year, man, this this got me going. That West Virginia at Pitt a year ago. Oh wow, the backyard brawl, sir. I uh, I didn't know I needed it, but this game was amazing a year ago. Um, and this time, it is in. Oh man, I even tried to. I wrote down a phonetic pronunciation. Milan Pushkar Stadium, sir. Mm. West Virginia does not lose at home. And uh, that's not true. But I feel like West Virginia is better at home. And they're uh-huh. a one-point dog in this one. So I don't know what to expect. Pittsburgh coming off the loss uh, to Cincinnati a week ago. So I um, make it two in a row. And West Virginia gets a little payback from last year's backyard brawl. Give me the Mountaineers. Something, I don't know, like a 23-20, something close. Wow. Okay. Neil Brennan survives another week. Phil Dracovic was awful last week. Um, Obviously, a two-time transfer from Boston College, Notre Dame. He was 10 of 32 for 179 yards. Uh, He did have three TDs, but um, the running game sucked. 29 carries, 83 yards. Pitt just is not a good offensive team, and really... Like Mark Whipple and uh, Pat Narduzzi never should have left each other. Like that magical year where they beat Tennessee, uh, go to the ACC title game against uh, Wake Forest, beat Wake Forest, the famous uh, fake slide that gets banned after it happens with Kenny Pickett. <laughs> like Pat Narduzzi hated success. Like it was one of those where it's like, you have this great thing going. Why would you move on from Mark Whipple? And it was like, because they were passing too much. It's like, you won a bunch of games. What do you mean? You won the ACC. What are you doing? Why are you? It's not your style. Great. But like adapt like that. That worked. Those two worked. And then Mark Whipple obviously goes to Nebraska to save Scott Frost's job on offense. And that doesn't go well. And now I don't even know where Mark Whipple is. But just what are we doing? Uh, just stay together. Sometimes the relationships just work. Just stay where things are working. And things are not working right now um, with Phil Dracovic and company up at Pittsburgh um they cincinnati weirdly just berated them 216 yards i mean carried the time possession i don't know like this is a problem because the one thing west virginia can do is run they're 27th in rushing uh in the country right now i think they're going to run all over pit i think pitt's in for another bad day uh offensively and i think uh, west virginia wins outright matt green all right, we agree again there, sir. Mark Whipple was uh, in Nebraska last year coaching that fantastic That's what I said. offense. And, oh, oh yeah, and he is. Uh, I don't. It doesn't look like he's got a job anymore. Just bring him back, Pat Narduzzi. What are we doing? What are we doing? And our last game on our sheet, 
we got another ACC versus SEC <laughs> matchup, sir. And the ACC is four and one against the SEC, proving that they are the superior conference in the Southeast uh, part of the United States for as long as that lasts, because the ACC is going to be over on the West Coast uh, uh, before you know it. Mm -hmm. And we got Georgia Tech. The, the sneaky yellow jackets coming into this one, going at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a 17.5-point favorite. How do you see this game going? I'm really excited about this one, Matt Green. I think this is a sneaky, fun one. I want to see if Ole Miss is for real, and I understand it's uh, Georgia Tech, but they should have beat Louisville. They pissed that game away late. They should be undefeated to this point uh, in the year. They're sneaky great running the football. Uh, Haynes King, Zach Pryor, doesn't matter who it is. They're going to be okay um old miss now is a defense uh pete golding's got that thing turned around they're a top 10 defense this year if that holds that's a very different old miss team and what their uh ceiling looks like they're a borderline top 10 team on offense like i wouldn't be surprised if they find their way into the top 10 or at least top 10 offense top 20 ish defense by the end of the year and that's a lot of wins uh for lane kiffin and his group tech though ninth in the country in yards per attempt on offense buster faulkner has been uh fantastic uh calling plays and be in the OC for Georgia Tech. So that's been a home run uh, hire by Brent Key and his staff uh, to this point. But Jackson Dart is completing 70% of his passes, 600 yards. They go and beat Tulane on the road, six TDs, one pick. I don't know. I just look at this group. They don't allow teams to run the ball. Georgia Tech can run the ball. I'm curious which one wins. I'm going to bet on Ole Miss to shut that down. And I don't think Georgia Tech's going to be able to stop Jackson Dart. I think Jackson Dart has made the, made the leap. I think Old Miss is legit. I think we're looking at a nine and three, ten and two Old Miss team. I think Old Miss is going to be really good wow. in the SEC West this year. They have uh, all the makings of a team that's going to continue to rise, and people are going to buy more and more into the Quinshawn Judkins and uh, Jackson Dart and Trey Harris hype. And that defense, I just, I think everything's coming up Old Miss. So if you're not already on the Old Miss train, you might want to get on uh, before it uh, leaves the tracks, Matt Green. Yeah, they got at Alabama and LSU the next two weeks, so they'll uh, we'll find out real quick. But mm -hmm. um, I'm looking at a different transfer quarterback, sir. I'm looking at Haynes King mm -hmm. on the Georgia Tech side of things. If maybe one of the bigger indictments on Jimbo Fisher, like this guy looks like a pretty solid quarterback playing for Georgia Tech, and I know he doesn't have as good a supporting cast, and I know it was also Louisville uh, that he was playing in that first game, but. Haynes King just looked solid. Like Tech looked like they had a pulse. And maybe I was just Im impressed with Georgia Tech because my expectations for Georgia Tech were so low. But you saw improvement out of this team when when Brent Key took over a year ago. Like they, I I feel like Georgia Tech. I think this could be a competitive game for for three quarters or so. So I think I think this is going to be like a fun one to watch. And I think uh, Ole Miss probably wins by two touchdowns, but. Give me, give me Ole Miss to win, but Georgia Tech to actually keep this thing closer than the 17 and a half. Wow. Okay. I think Tech, uh, I, Tech I think, is Taking in Taking Tech early. and Florida the same week. I don't know what's going on. You're changing, Matt Green. You're evolving. I don't know. I don't know what's happening, but I hope it backfires because that's good for me. Uh, it, it serves you right that you're going down with the Gators and the Jackets. A typical Georgia <laughs> fan. They just don't know how to handle success. That they end up just uh, picking the the jackets and the gators in their college football pick'em show. Just classic Georgia fan. 
But um, not, not going crazy with Georgia Tech. They're still going to lose, but uh, give, they'll 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 keep it close. Just keep an eye out for them. Okay. Well, that's all I've got, Matt Green. It's going to be a fun weekend of college football action. Uh, make sure to check us out on YouTube as uh, we grow out all that and keep up with us on the socials, Chase Thomas Podcast, Pod Chase Thomas on Twitter. Like and subscribe. Well over 1.3 subs, 1,000 subs on the YouTube pages. Those keep popping off. Uh, are you raising your hand like you were in class? Yes, Matt Green, yeah, back there. Yeah, before you sign off, mm-hmm. I was surprised. I, we moved on from the Georgia-South Carolina stuff. I was surprised you didn't bring up the Kirby Smart uh the, the little press conference stuff did you not have thoughts on it i don't care you don't care <laughs> i figured you were gonna come out here trolling kirby smart he's lame whatever fake juice all that but no uh, i think my thing is like i think georgia fans by and large the majority understand that stanford's not a tough place to play generally speaking it's no, that georgia's geez. good you doing like, this again? I, I mean we know it's not like here's the thing how many players have to come out and be like, well, yeah, AM, LSU when it's rocking, Tennessee with Neyland. It's a Coliseum. Go in Neyland. Like, it's just a different building. Like, Neyland is a legitimate Coliseum. AM's gigantic. Same Coliseum feel. Sanford's just not that big. It's not that intimidating. And I understand they got up and they deserve credit for coming in hard and Tennessee fan. Tennessee was rattled. They came and responded to Kirby. There is a reason that most players do not cite Sanford Stadium. If you ask them, like, what was the scariest SEC places to play or what was the loudest or whatever, no one's saying Sanford Stadium first. That's never going to happen. It never will happen. And it doesn't matter because Georgia can get up if they want to on any given Saturday. They just don't. And also, there are limitations to that stadium versus what the Coliseum feel can do. Simple kind of structure. Yeah, it's a structural thing story. too. Yeah, yeah, it's just no. Not... That's fair, but it, Georgia has proven that it is a tough. It is a, like a tough place to play. Sometimes in a, in a super loud stadium. I mean, it's, I think people just remember the Mark Rick days, and there were there were times that where it's like it, this was not an an, an intimidating stadium. It's because half the, the fan base was divided, and they wanted the coach and offensive coordinator fired. Like. I think since Kirby took over, I think if you haven't been to Sanford Stadium since Kirby took over, like you might have this this thought. But like if you've seen any big game, and I think part of that's too like, yeah, they don't get as loud for not as big games. But if you've seen a big game in Sanford Stadium, it's like the place is is rocking. Like they even on the field that Arkansas that noon game a couple years ago like it was louder decibels than the Penn State whiteout from the week before like ESPN said that on their on their broadcast right so it's like Tennessee had how many procedural penalties Arkansas that day all the procedural penalties like Notre Dame in 2019 with all the procedural penalties i think part of it's that Georgia for one place Florida on the in Jacksonville every year and so that's a massive that is atmosphere a yeah. that they don't ever get at home and also just Georgia's home schedule in a couple of recent years just hasn't had many marquee games. But you've looked at like, obviously 2020 was COVID and everything, but like 2019, 2021, 2022, like there's been that marquee game where they absolutely just go nuts. But they just, the, the home schedule, the home slate, like with Auburn and Flor- and obviously Florida never being at home, like it kind of, I think that kind of like changes people's perspective of it. But I'm telling you, since Kirby Smart took over, I, not not since they started winning national championships. Like I was at the Auburn game in 2016 um, when Auburn was a t- top 10 and Georgia upset them, and they weren't even a good team that year. 
it's like the it was just a different energy and i feel like everyone's rowing in the same direction now right there's just not the negativity in the fan base and georgia now is one of those one of those stadiums that's the toughest place to play in college football and maybe it'll never be as loud just because the structure aspect as the swamp or tennessee or texas a&m but I mean, it's up like they have the longest home winning streak currently. And it's not just because they have the best players. It's like it's a big part of it. I mean, it's a huge part of it, but it's the, the stadium. It's a different level now. Like the South Carolina, like 2019, that was the last that was like the only home game they've lost. I think are Georgia fans. OK, what's happening? Why are you so insecure about Stanford Stadium? Who cares? Because I don't know why people keep saying it's, it's not, not compared to A&M. To you'll play. never pass A&M. You'll never pass Tennessee. You'll never pass probably Florida. You'll never pass LSU. I mean, you'll pass Bama. Bama wasn't good. That home atmosphere wasn't great for uh texas they weren't phased by it like they didn't go in you saw the comments about well, I think alabama's never been it. i think alabama's never really been thought of as like that that top yeah. level it was just obviously like how you're good their fifth team or something was. on an average saturday in the sec fourth or fifth somewhere around there i mean that might be That's true okay. but and and also like with the question how many titles like, is it going to take for georgia fans to stop this how many do you need matt green before i we mean move? how how loud does our stadium have to be before before people oh stop saying God. that it's not loud do you know like, who doesn't have to get their fan base riled up on a big top five matchup tennessee a&m florida well, lsu they don't have to do it tennessee or georgia was a top five matchup last year Oh, yeah. I mean, they didn't have to get the fans riled up. It's a you completely just... different atmosphere if Kirby doesn't put that out there. No, the fans yeah. are going to show up the same It would not way. have been that loud. Also, that's another thing for the South Carolina game. Like, with how weak the home schedule is and how weak the first two games were, like, this this is going to be, like, an electric atmosphere, 330 CBS. Like, people, they're going to bring it. They're going to bring it because there's not that many home games, like, just right. many home games, like, on the schedule. But also, last thing. Unbelievable. Last thing, Kirby was just asked about this, so it's not like he remembered this dude saying this during SEC media days. Same way the dude for South Carolina wasn't disrespecting Georgia. He was simply saying Tennessee and A&M are the loudest or whatever. Yeah. But don't we Georgia idolize just hate Michael the truth. Jordan? They hate these answers. Don't we if, like, idolize Michael Jordan for all this like creating motivation and all this like just convincing himself the world was against him? And Oh, so... So and so said Clyde Drexler was better, and I showed them. It's like we idolized Jordan for doing this, but we're gonna hate on Kirby Smart. Find whatever motivation you gotta find. I'm not saying Kirby's MJ, but I'm not saying he's not. All right. Oh my god. <laughs> Macron, I'll talk to you on Sunday night. Is that last word. That's a good way to end it. That's that's how we're ending. I've got nothing else. Good night, Matt Green. That's good enough. Night. No more good, Georgia good fan night, tonight. Sir. I've I'm Georgia fan tapped out. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy uh, Florida, Tennessee. Should be a good one. Let's hope so. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 